offered with me uh, to the clean white pages. <laughs> First Chronicles chapter 1 and verse 34. First Chronicles chapter 1, verse 34. As, as we, as a country, drift from God, um, our country has gone deeper into sin. Uh, we have gotten more under the judgment of God, I believe, as a country. Uh, but I don't think that God is finished with us yet. Uh, and there are opportunities that we have, and regardless of what the culture as a whole does, God's people can make choices uh, to turn toward Him and to set things right. And uh, in, in our personal lives, in our families, in this church, even in this community, as this church follows the Lord, I believe it will impact the community. Um, we uh, can truly make a difference. Uh, and, and we are called to be salt and light to a needy world. Uh, this scripture that we're looking at today contains a long genealogy, uh, which I won't read the whole thing. So uh, you can say, uh, thank you, thank you, Pastor, if you want to thank me for that afterward. But, uh, but the genealogies of scripture are important for history. They're important for the line of Christ because it shows us that Jesus is who he says he is, the history uh, the genealogy and so forth supports his claim. Uh, but genealogies are also important because they remind us of where we've been. Uh, I was talking to somebody before the service, and we are discussing the fact that uh, uh, my mom this week was telling me they used to have two-week-long vacation Bible school. Can you imagine that? Um, I, I had a lady in a former church that told me they had three-week revivals where they met three times a day. Now, these kinds of things uh, we, we don't see anywhere in our culture today. Um, you know, we, I remember when I was a kid, there was one-week revivals. See, I'm dating myself. Uh, then when I was in my early adulthood, it was four-day revivals. Now it's one-day revivals. Uh, you see, uh, as our country drifts from God. So, uh, so we are... Uh, just as Israel drifted from God, we're drifting from God as a country. Uh, I believe the church in America is drifting from God. Um, we are not the salt and light that we're called to be. Uh, I'm just speaking in, of the church as a whole in America. And so, um, Chronicles is, I don't know if you know this, but Chronicles was the last book of the Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, it was written in the time of the return of the Israelites from captivity. Okay? They've been sent into captivity under the judgment of God, just exactly as he promised they would be, uh, for rejecting God, for going after the idols, the Baals, and so forth. Uh, they've been sent into captivity, but just as God promised, after they began to call upon him, he would once again bring them back uh, to the land, and they would have a second chance. And so Chronicles is uh, written in the context of this return from captivity. And it's meant to encourage the people and to remind them of where they've been. God's not done with them yet. 
and as they look back to the promises, hey, they're made in the image of God. I, the, as, as they speak about Adam in the first part of this genealogy, they've been given the promises. They, as Abraham is mentioned and David's been mentioned, uh, they, God has a purpose and a plan for them. He's not through with them yet. There's still a promise yet to come because that shoot of Jesse is going to come in the future uh, who would be Jesus Christ. And so uh, there is still hope. So this is kind of the context in which this book has been written. And as you look back over the history of this people, there are some things that stand out that I think can help us make wise choices in the world in which we live today. Uh, and uh, praise God, His Word is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, uh, uh, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So uh, even the genealogies of God are profitable for His people. And so uh, we need to make these wise choices in conjunction with the teaching of His Word, uh, just as God was calling them back, so God calls us to these same wise choices that they are called to make. So the title of my message is Making Wise Choices. What choices can we make? Um, and I'm just going to, rather than reading through, I'm going to go uh, in chapter 1 to a text and then uh, to uh, several texts in chapter 2 and just uh, mention some of these things I believe God is trying to get across. So look with me at verse 34 of chapter 1 of 1 Chronicles 1. Um, so making wise choices, what choices should we make? First of all, choose to raise your kids wisely. Choose to raise your kids wisely. Verse 34 says, Abraham fathered Isaac, Isaac's sons, Esau, and Israel. Esau's sons, and he lists those. Uh, Eliphaz is one of those. Look at verse 36. Eliphaz's sons, Teman, Omar, Zephi, Gatam, uh, Kenaz, and Batimna, Amalek. Whoa, how did we get from Abraham to Amalek? Do you know who those characters are? Of course, most of you probably know who Abraham is. Abraham is the one to whom God made the promises. I'm going to make you into a great nation. The nation of Israel was God's promised nation to Abraham. God promised Abraham the land of Israel. And he promised Abraham that through his seed, uh, not only the people of Israel, but it can be taken singular through that specific seed, that is Jesus Christ, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So Abraham is a, is a great figure, a great man of faith. He left everything he knew to go to a foreign land in obedience to God, to fulfill the purpose of God. He said, God's going to be number one. I'm going to follow Christ, God. I'm going to follow his will. And he set uh, a great example. Uh, he raised a son called Isaac, and Isaac feared the Lord, and then Isaac raised two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob, he had some issues, but Jacob ultimately puts his trust in God, but Esau does not value the things of God. And so you see Esau, he's, he marries uh, with the, the peoples of the land, at which you say, well, why is that a, a problem? Because 
in history uh, of God's people, God says, don't intermarry with these people because they'll lead you away from me. And so, but that's his priorities weren't serving God. So he's, he's, he's marrying uh, wrongly. He's, and, and he just doesn't value, he sells his birthright for, uh, uh, he's hungry. <laughs> Give me some lentils, you know. He, that, uh, that, he says, I don't, I don't value this. And so uh, Hebrews talks quite a bit about Esau not valuing the things of God. So Esau has a son, Eliphaz, which we don't hear a whole lot about. But one of Eliphaz's sons is Amalek. And we do hear about Amalek. Amalek was the people, ultimately Amalek was a, was a descendant, but then he became a nation. And Amalek was the, was the nation that attacked Israel from the rear in the wilderness. And he, he picked off the, the weak. It'd be like, it'd be like uh, if, if we sent uh, warplanes over to another country uh, to um, shoot uh, and kill or bomb uh, orphanages or, uh, you know, the, I mean, it's just the, the weakest part, the most vulnerable uh, people uh, were in the rear. And so that's where they attacked. And God cursed the nation of Amalek, and, and he, he said they'll be destroyed one day. And David helped to do that uh, uh, to some degree. Uh, but, but Amalek was cursed. How do you get from Abraham to Amalek? Notice it's just a few generations. Just a few generations from a godly man who serves God and who is an example who still through his example, is blessing people today. How do you get from Abraham to Amalek? And I think part of it has to do with how you raise your kids. Now, if you raise your kids wisely, you teach them the things of God, right? Deuteronomy talks about this. He says, Talk about these things when you sit, when you rise, when you're on the way, when you're at the house, when, you know, basically all the time. Be talking about the things of God. I felt like my parents did a better job on that than I did. But that is something we're all called to do, right? Teach our kids the things of God. Another thing we can do is discipline our kids. Uh, Proverbs talks about that. Uh, that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. That's not popular message today, but it's the truth. Uh, what, which is better, to have a little stinging on the rear end that passes quickly, or to make bad decisions in life that cause ongoing pain and heartache? You see, if you raise your kids wisely... You teach them self-control through discipline. So that's one way to raise your kids wisely. Teach them, and for those, the, you know, when there is, um, uh, think, of, think of the right word, uh, defiance is the word I was looking for. Uh, when there is defiance and, and they refuse to follow, nothing wrong with a good spanking, okay? Just give them enough to create some, some stinging, Maybe a tear, okay, just to, to kind of break, break the will without breaking the spirit. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's an important thing. So uh, that's part of raising your kids wisely. The rod of correction drives out the foolishness that's bound up in the heart of a child. 
Another great thing you can do is set a good example. Why did Esau's son and then his grandson, how did that go so wrong? Esau didn't value the things of God, right? He set a horrible example. There was no part of Esau's life where he was following wholeheartedly after God. He gave some, some lip service to some things about God, but ultimately his life was lived for himself. Many, many Christians today uh, will, will live their life, and they, it's all about them, right? No time for God. Uh, God, I'll show up on Christmas and Easter if you're lucky. You know, <laughs> there's no time. Uh, and, and, and it's just, they're just living for themselves. Listen, if you're doing that, you're setting a horrible example for your kids, and, and likely there'll be a price to pay in your family members as those generations go forth. Now, let me say this. You can raise your kids wisely and do all the right things. You can discipline them. You can teach them the things of God. You can even set a good example, and your kids can still turn out wrong. I just need to say that, okay? Uh, sometimes that happens because each of us has to make our own choice. Uh, you can't make a choice to follow Jesus for your kids. They've got to make their own choice. And so uh, that, that needs to be said. But how much greater an impact can we have as God's people if we'll raise our kids wisely? Another great thing to do to raise your kids wisely is to talk to God about it. I, I kind of struggle with this sometimes when I was uh, raising my kids, and, and, and sometimes I just felt like a failure. I'll just be honest with you. I thought, well, Lord, here I am. I study your word all day long, and then I just I feel like I'm not presenting it enough at home. Uh, you know, and, and I did okay, but uh, praise God in his grace, my kids turned out well. But, uh, but I, I struggled with it. I, I struggled with it. And so uh, what I would do is I'd take it to God. I'd say, Lord, I just, I feel like I've been blowing it lately as a spiritual leader. Uh, would you please help me uh, to take those opportunities to uh, speak about the things of God with my kids and to, uh, you know, to let them know how important you are to me and, and what you're doing in my life. And, and so uh, God would, would respond to that. So that's, uh, prayer is so powerful. Other times, I would be struggling. I, you talk about discipline. Well, it's, you can discipline your kids, but sometimes you don't know where they're coming from, right? I think Sherry understood my kids better than I did, okay? She would tell me, well, this is, this is where he's coming from, or this is where she's coming from, it, all right, uh, for me. But, but sometimes I just had to take it. I said, Lord, I'm struggling. Uh, you know, it seems like there's, we're button heads, right? What, what can we do? And I would just take those things to the Lord. That is so important. And as you pray, you invite God into the situation. And God can help you and guide you. He knows your kids better than you do. Uh, and he can give some great uh, counsel to you. Uh, two times, once with my daughter and once with my son, I had a key uh, thing that God led me to do that helped me tremendously with my kids. And so make sure you take those things to God. So... Um, Praise God that the story of Abraham's, ancest, uh, Abraham's descendant, Amalek, is not the whole story. He also uh, has Jacob, who's later Israel, and then ultimately the, the characters of the Bible that come forth from that. 
so uh, raise your kids wisely. That's an important wise choice. What had the people of Israel been doing? They, they drifted from God. They were leading their kids to worship idols. Uh, they, God wasn't even on their radar. They were doing every wicked thing they could do. That's why they got sent into captivity. So as he reminds them of this, he's saying, look, remember back. There was a time where we in our families honored God and we put God first and we talked about the things of God and we valued the things of God. Let's return to that. That's a great, great message. All right. So, uh, uh, amen myself. Okay. Uh, uh, making wise choices. What choices should we make? Choose to raise your kids wisely. Secondly, um, choose to choose your spouse wisely. Okay? Look at, look at uh, chapter 2 and verse 3. Judah's sons, Ur, Onan, and Shelah, these three were born to him by Bathsheba, the Canaanite woman. Okay. This would have been very significant to the Jewish people who were reading this because they knew that in the law, God said, don't intermarry with the Canaanites. We just talked about that a second ago because it'll lead you away from me. So what does Judah do? And in Judah's defense, the law had not yet been written when Judah did this, but uh, Judah did not follow Abraham's example and Isaac's example. Uh, of, uh, of, of trying to find a godly spouse for your kids, okay? Um, and so uh, back in those days, there were arranged marriages and so forth. But, but Judah had left home. Judah was probably filled with guilt over what he had done to Joseph. And so he left home. He couldn't take it anymore. And he went out on his own, and he chose his spouse. And who did he choose? He chose a Canaanite woman. And what happened in his family? Well, his oldest son was killed by God for his wickedness. His name was Ur. Then his second son was going to fulfill the duty of leveret marriage, which I don't have time to get into, but he also is killed by God for his wickedness. Finally, his third son, Sheila, uh, well, uh, his daughter-in-law is saying, well, are you going to give Sheila to him? Well, let's wait till he grows up. You know, he's thinking, man, I've lost two sons already. I'm not sending Sheila. <laughs> you know, uh, what's going to happen to him? And so he puts it off. Then she disguises herself as a prostitute. Judah's wife by this time has died. He's gone off, and this is, this is the... Uh, the colorful pages of the Bible. Judah goes, and he is going to thresh, and here is this prostitute by the road, and he hires the prostitute. He sleeps with her, not knowing that it's his daughter-in-law. She becomes pregnant and gives birth to two sons, and uh, ultimately, through Paris, uh, the line of Christ continues, okay? So this, this is colorful stuff. But, but all of this chaos broke loose in their family. Why? Because he didn't choose his spouse wisely. What does the Bible tell us we should do as far as choosing a spouse? And by the way, if you've got one, 
You don't say, I, I've chosen the wrong one, let me go find another one. That's not the purpose of this, okay? Uh, if you're married to them, now they're God's will for you. So uh, anyway, but if you're single, what does God say? God says, marry a believer. Uh, I would say this, marry a growing believer and be a growing believer yourself, right? Uh, this is, is the idea here. As you choose that spouse that is godly, what will they do? They'll help build you up in your spiritual life. And if you're godly, you'll help build your spouse up, right? So it's a mutual thing. When one of you is struggling, the other one can be an encouragement in the things of God. Uh, if you have married someone who is not a Christian, um, pray for their salvation and set a good example for them. And who knows, maybe God will bring that person to faith in Jesus Christ. But, but how much greater it is when there are two who love God. And then when you have kids, you both are on the same page. We knew a, a family when I was growing up that uh, the, the wife was a believer and the husband was an unbeliever. And whenever they had to make a decision about the kids, they were in, in, in disagreement about it. Uh, because he didn't have spiritual values, and she did. And so it was a battle about everything. Uh, praise God when you have two godly people who are trying to make decisions for kids. And boy, in the culture we live in today, that is especially important. Um, so choose your spouse wisely. In, in the Old Testament, uh, they, were, they were given guidance on that. But in the New Testament, we're just told, marry a believer. And marry a growing believer. And I would add this. Pray about your choice of a spouse. Pray about it. Um, there are worse things than being single. I, listen, I, I've talked to people who, who have gone through the pain and the heartache of a miserable marriage. And listen, I tell you, I'd rather be single than deal with some of the things they deal with. Uh, so pray about it. Before you go in, uh, pray about your marriage. So choose your spouse wisely, all right? Uh, that's an important thing. Had Judah done that, he would have saved himself and his family all kinds of grief. Um, so making wise choices, what choices should we make? Choose to raise your kids wisely. Secondly, choose to choose your spouse wisely. Choose to choose your priorities wisely. Look at verse 7 of chapter 2. Carmi's uh, son, Achar, Achar means trouble. It's kind of a play on words. It's, he's talking about Achan in the book of Joshua. Achan was an Achar. Okay, he was a troubler of Israel. Carmi's um, son, Achar, who brought trouble on Israel when he was unfaithful by taking the things set apart for destruction. You remember that story, right? Uh, you just had this great victory at Jericho, right? God has called the walls of Jericho to come down. Israel has defeated Jericho, this powerful, fortified city. And now you've got little I, or A-I, however you pronounce that, okay? Uh, uh, and and you've got little, little I, okay? And you're... Uh, you're, you're going to fight against little I, and you think, well, you know, I don't even need to talk to God about this. Uh, th this is such an easy task. So they go to fight against I, and 
they lose, and they lose miserably. Joshua falls on his face before the Lord. He says, Lord, what, why aren't you with us? What's going on? And, uh, and God says, hey, get off your face. There's sin in the camp. And guess who was the one doing the sin? It was Achan. Achar, the troubler, troubler of Israel. Um, Achan had a problem with covetousness. That's number 10 in the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not covet. Covetousness is a sin that leads to all kinds of other sins. Uh, sins begin in the heart. So God says, don't covet. Be content with what you have. Thank God for what you have. Godliness with contentment is great gain. When you covet, it is a pathway to sin. And so what did he do? He coveted. God had told them, don't take any of the possessions in Jericho because they're devoted to destruction. They're devoted to God. So what they would do, they'd destroy these things. They wouldn't take the spoils as they normally did in those days, but they would just destroy everything uh, because it was considered devoted to God. God said, this is mine. This is set aside for me. Uh, don't, you, don't lay your hands on it, okay? But Achan thought, boy, you know, this, look at this. Here's this Calvin Klein, you know, garment here. And, I mean, they didn't have Calvin Klein back then, but it was kind of the equivalent. Um, and look at all this. And, and he sees these things, and he covets these things, and he takes them. And he's stealing. And not only is he stealing, he's stealing from God. And it caused major trouble in his life. Choose your priorities wisely. What was more important to Achan? The money and the possessions were more important than God. Money was his idol. There's many people in America that have the same idol. It's all about money. It's all about possessions. You can't serve God in money, right? Uh, I think that's one reason that God calls us to tithe, right? I know I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd, okay? But I, I believe that. I think tithing is uh, something that God gives us to help us spiritually. It teaches us not to covet. It teaches us to be obedient to God with our finances. And as we do that, and as we put our trust in God, it helps to train us to rely upon God to supply our needs. Uh, but when our priorities get out of whack, we're pursuing other things, and other things are more important to us than God. And it might be money. It might be a relationship we know that doesn't please God. It might be uh, our, our advancement in our job, or it might be leisure activities that you know, begin to eclipse the things of God. Uh, it could be anything. Anything that we put before God becomes an idol in our life. And that was the Israelites' problem. They got their priorities all out of whack. There was, there was one season of time that they, uh, boy, you know, the economy was great. They were thriving. They were doing, the nation was, was rich and wealthy, and, uh, uh, but they had forgotten God. And, and uh, what mattered to them was the money. And uh, God says, you're ultimately going to come to judgment because you have forsaken me. I remember a few elections ago, it's been quite a while, 
uh, we began to say in our country, character doesn't matter. Listen, I'm going to tell you, character does matter. You say, well, neither side has good character. Well, I understand that, but vote for the best one, okay? Uh, listen, character matters. And what we've done, we've said character doesn't matter, and now we've got more and more wickedness in our national offices, don't we? Now, that they're promoting all kinds of perversion. It's shameful what's happening uh, at the hands of the leaders of our country in our day. Uh, we've gotten our priorities off. We thought, well, as long as they can help us have a good economy and, and, and we have what we want, we don't care about the rest. That's a mistake. So uh, we, can, we can sometimes in our own life say, hey, you know, as long as I have this, that's what truly matters to me. And if I neglect the things of God, listen, I, you, we talk about raising our kids wisely. Uh, one part of that is bring the, bringing your kids to church is so important. And um, when people's priorities get out of whack, what do they do? They skip church, right? They're going after whatever it is that they're going after, right? Whatever's become more important to God than God in their life, they're going after it. And listen, that's a, that spells disaster for your family. If you've got kids, that spells disaster. If you get them out, listen, it's hard enough to lead your kids to follow Jesus when, they, when they're here one hour a week. If you skip out on that, listen, we've gotten to, you know, it used to be, uh, we'd say, well, i got a drug problem. I've drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, right? Now, uh, people come twice a month or once a month. Uh, that's dangerous. So I, I'll, I'll, quit, I'll quit meddling, okay? But, but choose your priorities wisely. When a nation forgets God, when God becomes the last thing on the list, you will dra- drift into wickedness more and more. And that's exactly what Israel did. He's saying, remember where we were. Remember that we could choose to put God first. What's the first commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Second's like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. God should be the first priority of our lives. He should be the passion of our lives. So choose your priorities wisely. Okay, making wise choices. What choices? Uh, choose to raise your kids wisely. Choose to choose your spouse wisely. Choose to choose your priorities wisely. Choose to evaluate character wisely. This is an interesting one. Um, here we're talking about uh, King David's family. All right, look at verse 13. Uh, Jesse fathered Eliab, his firstborn. Abinadab was born second. Shimei third. Nathaniel fourth. Radai fifth. Ozem sixth. And David seventh. Their sisters were Zeruiah and Abigail. Zeruiah's three sons, Abishai, Joab, and Esahel. Uh, Amasa's mother was Abigail, and the father was Jetha, the Ishmaelite. So evaluate character-wise. Where, where am I going with this? He mentions two individuals here. Uh, the first one is Joab. Joab was David's relative. He was a very gifted military strategist, a very gifted man, but he was not a godly man. David chooses Joab to lead his army, and yes, he does a great job with it, 
but he's a wicked man, and because he's a wicked man, he ends up committed. he murders two others that David has appointed for that position because he wants to keep his power, uh, and he's all about himself. Uh, then you see um, Amasa, verse 17, Amasa's mother was Abigail. Now, David tells us elsewhere that both Amasa and Abner were better, more godly men than Joab was. But David chose the gifted man rather than the godly man. We do that today, don't we? Uh, We're called to evaluate character wisely. It's especially important in leadership. Um, We're given uh, a list of character qualities. You remember when the first deacons were appointed? Uh, Let them be men full of the Spirit and wisdom. Uh, let, you know, let them be men that have a good reputation. Uh, and so there were these character qualities that they were to look for. Same thing for pastors. There's a list in Timothy and Titus for the pastors. You know, uh, and you go down that list of these character qualities you're to look for in a pastor to appoint the pastors, as Timothy was to appoint the pastors, and later Titus was to appoint pastors in various places. This is what you look for. This is the character you look for. Um, to evaluate character wisely. This is especially important in the church. I remember when I was young in ministry and uh, the church growth movement was, you know, just kind of blowing up and, uh, uh, and you'd read books. I, I don't know, I can't tell you how many books I read this in uh, that would, would talk about as long as this guy has leadership qualities, that's the only thing that matters. Well, we're seeing the result of that today in our country. We've hired people to the churches of our lands that have leadership gifts. They, they, they are, are great at leading people to do great things, uh, but they don't have character. Um, several of the great, quote, quote, great leaders of the church growth movement that I won't name because I'm not going to talk about them here in this message, but I will say this. I've noticed the three main leading Church growth gurus in our country have now uh, descended into some kind of wickedness or false doctrine. Character matters. So evaluate character wisely. You know, as as God's people, uh, we need to evaluate people based on character first. Uh, a godly man, do you think God could help him uh, to fulfill a role? Yes, there needs to be giftedness too, I understand that. Uh, but character is so important. And if you don't have the character, all the good that that individual does can be destroyed. All right, so evaluate that character wisely. So making wise choices. Choose to raise your kids wisely. Choose your spouse wisely. Choose your priorities wisely. Evaluate character wisely. I want to I just close with this thought. The history of humanity is a history of failure. We're sinners, right? But praise God, even though there was an Adam that failed, there was a second Adam that was victorious. 
And because of Jesus Christ, we can have hope for the future. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Jesus provides the forgiveness that we need. Jesus provides the transformation. He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. As we look to Christ and as we come to him with our brokenness, he can pick us up and make us new and set us on a different path. Listen, I love the story of Saul of Tarsus. Talk about a man going the wrong direction. He's persecuting the church of God. But Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus Road. He repents, and he becomes the great apostle. God used him. And he, Paul says, in me, though, I don't, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. <laughs> That's our hope, right? Listen, there's not a perfect person in this room, me included. I, I certainly need the grace of God. So as we look at this council and as we, as we evaluate these things in our life, it's good to, to glean the wisdom from them. But we also need to remember that uh, we don't, we're not victorious because we make all the right decisions. We're victorious because we have a, an almighty Savior who goes with us and walks with us and empowers us and sustains us and helps us. And he is our hope. So make these wise decisions, but also look to Jesus. And you'll be headed in the right direction. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we ask that um, we would be focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would look to him for the help and the grace that we need. And Father, uh, we also ask that you would help us to make wise decisions, Lord, as we uh, consider our, our lives, our families, and priorities, and all of these things. Father, help us make wise decisions. Um, Lord, we bring our brokenness to you. and We ask you, Lord, to uh, take the mistakes that we've made and the failures in our lives, God, and, and uh, give us beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for the spirit of heaviness. God, give us the faith that we need to step out and do the things you call us to do as your people. And Father, for any who are here tonight that don't know Jesus Christ, I pray that tonight would be the night they would choose to repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus for eternal life. And uh, we pray it in his name.